Take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 60. And in just a moment, we'll start reading in verse 1. Isaiah chapter 60. And I have been enjoying the worship so much, I, had, I didn't get my sermon ready. There it is. All right. Now, we live in a day when a lot of people are discouraged. They're discouraged about their future in particular. And as you make a study, you'll find that Americans are primarily anxious and discouraged about our nation's economy. Just this past May, there was an article in The Economy magazine uh, by Lydia Sayad entitled, Americans Remain Discouraged About Personal Finances. That article noted that most Americans today rate their personal finances as only fair or poor. Middle-income Americans have grown more negative about their finances over the past several years. Their top financial concern is whether or not they're going to have enough money to retire. Most Americans say that their financial situation is fair or poor. More people also say that their financial situation is worsening. Over 50% of the people in America feel like that they are going down financially. In 2021, just two years ago, most of the people were upbeat about their finances, but today the main financial problem Americans faced is called inflation. How many of you know that things cost more now than they did just a few years ago? That's inflation. One-third of the people interviewed said inflation is their biggest fear. And that's the highest figure of fear of inflation in the past two decades, for 20 years. More people are worried about inflation more today than in the past 20 years. That's even higher than Americans were accustomed to before the pandemic. Prices for basic goods, I'm reading from the article, like food and gasoline remain very high. And again, overall, Americans' financial assessments are near a two-decade low. You say, well, once again, Brother Steve, you've given us some very encouraging thoughts there. Thank you so much. Well, most Americans are fearful. They're worried about what is to come, especially financially. But how many of you know that as Christians, we don't have to live in fear? Does anybody know that? We don't have to be worried about our nation's financial status or anything else. Christians should live trusting in the Lord and look to the future and say with assurance, the best is yet to come. Can you say that with me? The best is yet to come. Why? Jesus is coming back. Satan will be cast into hell. We will live with God and Christ and the Holy Ghost for all eternity. You can't walk in fear and believe that at the same time. You and I don't need to walk in fear. We can walk in faith and that's what Isaiah chapter 60 is all about. Walking in faith, believing that the best is yet to come. The Bible repeatedly says that we need to have hope for our future. Hope for our future. Proverbs 13, 12, a very famous text. 
says this, hope deferred, that is, when hope is delayed, it makes the heart sick. How many of you just love to wait for things? Anybody out there? Don't raise your hand. Hope deferred or delayed makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When God comes through, it's like a tree of life. Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says, the end of a matter is better than the beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Then my, one of my life's verses out of the text, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know, God says, the plans that I have for you, plans for welfare, not for calamity. I want to give you a future and a hope. Doesn't that bless you that God wants to give you a future and a hope? Job said in Job 8, verse 7, though your beginning, or his friend said, though your beginning was insignificant, yet your end will increase greatly. And he prophesied over Job when he said that, because at the end of Job, in Job 42, verse 12, the Bible says, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. You know what the worst thing that can happen to you in life is, is for you to think that the best days are behind you. Look at me. Your best days are not behind you. If you're a Christian, your best days are out in front of you. Jesus said, if you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Put your hand on the plow and don't look back. Because if you look back, you're thinking about the past. The past is gone. Give God your past and give God your future and walk forward and quit looking back. Don't worry about the, the, the mistakes you've made. Confess them and ask God to forgive you, and then let's move on. I want to remind you today something. Christian, better days are coming. Let's say that together. Better days are coming. Isaiah 60 is one of the most encouraging texts in the whole book of Isaiah. I memorized the first five verses and another verse down below, and uh I want to read to you some of my favorite, most encouraging verses in all the Bible. I'm going to give you several things now, and I want you to write these down. You say, Brother Steve, when can we go back to the blanks? Let's don't go there, all right? I'm not going to bring it up anymore, okay? Christian, better days are coming because, number one, glorious days are coming. Glorious days are coming. Say that with me glorious days are coming. Look at verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Does that sound encouraging? Sure it does. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The glory of the Lord is a major theme throughout Scripture. One of the most prominent texts in the Old Testament about the glory of the Lord is found in Exodus chapter 40 beginning at verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day. The night grew, and, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. You know what they were doing? They were just following the Lord, just following the Lord. They didn't have 
a 10-day plan or a 10-year plan. They were just following the Lord. When the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud stayed, they stayed. Isn't that the way we're supposed to live our lives? Walking with the Lord, following the cloud. When the Spirit of God says, go, we go. When the Spirit of God is quiet, we just sit before the Lord and wait on the Lord. And we do what He tells us to do. In the New Testament, Christians saw the perfect glory of God. His name was Jesus. We read about the glory of God. Jesus displayed God's glory while He was on this earth. John 1.14 says, And the Word, that is Jesus, the Word incarnate, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. We saw God's glory in Jesus, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you want to see the glory of God, look to the Son of God. Jesus is the glory of God. Likewise, Jesus, when He returns, the Bible says He's going to return in glory. How many of you believe that Jesus could come back today? Does anybody believe that? I believe that with all my heart. Jesus could come back in the rapture today. And when He comes, He's going to come in a glorious manner. The Bible says in Matthew 25, 31, but when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And Jesus Himself is the glory of God that all of us as sinners fall short of. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of Jesus who is the glory of God. God. So when Isaiah spoke of the glory of God rising upon God's people, he was speaking prophetically regarding the glory of Jesus Christ. Then in verse 2, Isaiah spoke of the contrasting darkness between the glory of God and this sinful world. Look at verse 2, for behold, darkness will cover this earth. How many of you know that there is spiritual darkness in our world? Does anybody know that? Darkness will cover this earth and deep darkness, the people's but. Here's the good news. The Lord will rise upon you who are believers and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Here the Bible says those who don't know the, the Messiah Jesus, they're going to walk in deep darkness, but the Lord and his glory will rise upon the believers and nations will come to your light. It's exactly what happened in the book of Acts. They got Filled with the Holy Spirit, the glory of God came upon them and thousands of people all of a sudden came to Christ following the day of Pentecost. And then men like Philip and Paul and Silas began sharing the gospel and the glory of God came upon the Gentiles and the nations and many of them came to the Lord. Better days are coming because glorious days are coming. Indeed, we live in a day of darkness Sin is covering our earth and our nation. Deep darkness is covering the people of this earth, but we don't need to fear. Don't let television and the news get you in fear. Don't do that. Don't let other people who are just fear mongers put that on you. Reject that in the name of Jesus. The Lord will rise upon us. We don't need to live in fear. His glory will appear upon us. Nations will come to our light, kings to the brightness of our rising. A spiritual divide is happening in, in front of us, in our very eyes. 
The righteous are getting more righteous. The dark is getting more dark and the light is becoming brighter all the time. I'm telling you, Christ is coming back. It's time to live a Christ-like life. It's time to live with light in your soul. It's time to live in a manner of speaking differently, delightfully differently than the world and just say, you know, I know there are bad circumstances out there, but I'm not under my circumstances. I'm under Christ and Christ is my hope and I have joy in my soul and I will not live in fear. And just tell people, you know what? It may be bad right now, but praise God, glorious days are on the way. They're coming. Better days are coming because glorious days are coming. Better days are also coming, Christian, because secondly, reunited days are coming. Aren't you glad that those who have gone on before us are more alive than us if they know Jesus Christ? Some of you say, well, I lost them. You didn't lose them. And I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to be biblical. You didn't lose them. You know exactly where they are. They're absent from the body and they're present with the Lord. And to be all candid with you here, they're more alive than you are. They're a lot more alive than you are. And I don't want to hurt your feelings, but if they're with the Lord, they don't want to come back. They love the Lord. They love you. But we, they can't come to us, but we will go to them. Look at verse 4. Lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar. Your daughters will be carried in the arms. Now, strictly speaking, this was talking about the people who had been in Babylonian exile are going to come back to Jerusalem. Their families had been separated. Many of them had been split up. Many of them had not seen their children for decades, and they had, some of them had never seen their grandchildren. He talks about your sons will come from afar, your daughters will be carried in the arms. Lift up your eyes round about you, Isaiah says. It seems too good to be true, but your children, grown now, will come from afar, and your grandchildren will be carried in their arms. A glorious reunion is what he was talking about for the Jews. The same is true for Christians. We anticipate the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And many Christians have loved ones who are in heaven with the Lord. How many of you have loved ones, people that you dearly love in heaven with Jesus right now? I've got my hand up. They're absent from the body. They're present with the Lord. We have grandparents. We have parents. We have siblings. Some have children that they haven't seen in years. But a great reunion is coming. I read this just this week in my quiet time. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonia. And he said in chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, for the Lord himself, that's Jesus, will descend from heaven with a shout. I'm telling you, if you don't like shouting, don't go to heaven, all right? He's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. That's the word rapture. We're going to be raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, even so, we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort, give great strength to one another 
with these words. What a glorious day when we enter heaven, when we're raptured out of this world. Two will be walking. One will be taken. One will be left. Two will be in the bed. This is from Luke 17, the words of Jesus. Two will be in the bed. One will be taken. One will be left. Two will be working and grinding at the mill. One will be taken. One will be left. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to being taken from this world, to being raptured up. What a glorious day when we enter heaven and see Jesus. What a glorious reunion with our loved ones. I like Johnny Cash. I like his songs. Some people get mad at me because I like his songs. I like his songs anyway. <laughs> and he sang this song. He didn't write it, but he sang it. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world below. There's no sickness, toil, or danger in that bright land to which I go. I'm going there to see my father and all my loved ones who've gone on. I'm just going over Jordan. I'm just going over home. I know dark clouds will gather around me. I know the way is hard and steep, but beauteous fields arise before me when, where God's redeemed their vigils keep. I'm going there to see my mother. She said she'd meet me when I come. I'm just going over Jordan. I'm just going over him. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to seeing my mother again. I'm looking forward to see my daddy again. I'm looking forward to see my brother again. I'm looking forward to see the apostle Paul and Peter and James and John. I'm looking forward to seeing Abraham. I'm looking forward to see all these people, but I am really looking forward to seeing Jesus Christ. Aren't you? Amen. What a day that will be when our Jesus we shall see. Oh, better days are coming. Why would you say that, preacher? Because reunited days are coming. You're talking about a home, home going, a homecoming. We're going to have it with the Lord Jesus. Number three, Christian, better days are coming because prosperous days are coming. Look at verses 5 through 13. Prosperous days are on their way. Isaiah warned his listeners that they were going to go through tribulations. We don't like to hear that kind of stuff. They had to endure being exiled in Babylon because they had sinned. But after they had returned from exile, they were going to again prosper physically, materially, and especially spiritually. And what was true for Israel is going to be true for Christians in the last days. At the end of time, as time draws toward the end, as Dr. Rogers used to say, it's going to get gloriously dark, gloriously dark, especially for lost people. They won't know what to do. They're, they're going to be so messed up. I'm telling you, if you don't have Jesus in these last days, it could drive you insane. You need the Lord just to be in your right mind. And the Bible says for lost people, it's going to get darker. But for Christians, praise God. As we draw to the end, it's going to get brighter. It's like the Lord's going to move, remove the veil from our minds, and we're going to be able to understand the Scriptures, and we're going to be encouraged when we worship the Lord. The Bible says then Jesus will come back with all of His saints, and we're going to reign on this earth for a thousand years of peace. Verse 5, then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. In the millennial reign, people from all over the world will travel to Jerusalem and they'll bring rich cargoes with them. Look at verse 6. A multitude of camels will cover you. 
The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba will come. They'll bring gold and frankincense and will bear good news of the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar will be gathered together to you. The rams of Naboth will minister to you. They will go up with acceptance on my altar and I will glorify my glorious name. Who are these who are flying like a cloud and like the doves to their lattices? Surely the coastlands will wait for me and the ships from Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them. Everybody's going to be traveling toward Jerusalem during those last days in the millennial reign of Christ. And they're going to be bringing riches and glory for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus will be exclusively worshiped during the millennium while he's on this earth. Look at verse 9. He goes on to say, For the name of the Lord your God and the Lord, Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. Foreigners will build up your walls. Your kings will minister to you for my wrath. In my wrath I struck you, and in my favor I've had compassion on you. Your gates will be open continually. They will not be closed day or night so that men may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. Kings will bow down before the King of kings, Jesus Christ, during that millennial reign. And then God said, if anyone refuses to bless the Christians in Jerusalem during that millennial reign, that thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ, they're going to answer to the Lord himself. Look at verse 12. For the nation and the kingdom which will not serve you will perish, and the nations will be utterly ruined. Then the Lord said, he will enhance and beautify his glorious temple in Jerusalem. Look at verse 13. This is in the millennial reign. The glory of Lebanon will come to you, the juniper, the box tree, the cypress together to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. We're going to bow before the nail-scarred feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and for a thousand years worship him on this earth. God is going to turn this earth back into the Garden of Eden. And for a thousand years, it's going to be the way he wanted it to be in the first place. If you look at the first two chapters of the Bible, that's what God wanted in this world. There was one man married to one woman, and there was peace between man and all the other animals. And there's this beautiful picture of serenity. That's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. The millennial reign is just doing over, if you will, the Garden of Eden. And it's all going to be a prosperous time for all people for a thousand years. Prosperous days are coming. Verse And number four, Christian, better days are coming because vindication days are coming. God is going to pay back the people who hate him and come against him. God has promised a day of vengeance. His children are going to be avenged, and he is the one who is going to avenge them. Every right, every wrong that you've experienced, God is going to make it right. God is indeed a God of vindication. We read back in Deuteronomy 32, verse 35 and 36, vengeance, God says, is mine and retribution. In due time, their foot will slip for the day of their calamity is near and the impending things are hastening upon them for the Lord will vindicate his people and will have compassion on his servants. You know why vengeance belongs to God? Because only God can fairly 
and righteously avenge us and vindicate us. We would go overboard. We would be too harsh. God will do it exactly the way it needs to be done. Isaiah said, vengeance belongs exclusively to God. It is God's business. Please listen to what I'm saying. Some of you feel like it's your job to tell somebody how bad they are and how bad they've treated you. Look at me. The best thing you can do is to pull back and wait and just pray for them and give them to God. And I'm telling you, God is a lot more exacting than you are and than I am. You don't have to fight your battles. You don't have to defend yourself. It's a glorious thing just to say, God, they're all yours. Whatever you want to do with them, they're all yours. Vengeance is yours. He will avenge you fairly and righteously. And once again, the historical application of that text was Israel would come back to Jerusalem, rebuild the city, defeat their enemies. If you don't believe that, go read the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. It happened, but also it's talking about the millennial reign of Christ. The rapture of the church is the next thing that's going to happen for the church. We're going to be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. That will inaugurate the great tribulation Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24. Seven years of absolute destruction upon this earth led by the Antichrist. At the end of that, Jesus will come back for his church in the rapture. He will come back with his church in the second coming after the great tribulation. And when he comes back, he's going to set up a thousand year reign on this earth, the millennial reign of Christ. And in those days, there will be unparalleled peace. The enemies of God's people will all be punished by the Lord himself. Look at verse 14. The sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you. All those who despised you will bow themselves at the soles of your feet, and they will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, God says, I will make you an everlasting pride, a joy from generation to generation. You will also suck the milk of nations and suck the breast of kings. Then you will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior. I'm your Redeemer. I am the Mighty One of Jacob. God one day is going to reward his children, and punish all of his enemies. I'm telling you, vindication days are coming. Better days are coming for Christians. Number five, Christian, better days are coming because peaceful days are coming. Peaceful days are coming. This war this world is a war, is a world of wars. Every time you turn around, there's another war starting. But there's coming a day there will be no more war. Look at verse 17. Instead of bronze, I'm going to give you gold. How many of you know that gold is better than bronze? If somebody comes up to you and says, I've got five ounces of bronze or five ounces of gold, take the gold, all right? Instead of iron, I'll give you silver. Instead of wood, I'll give you bronze. Instead of stones, I'll give you iron. God says, I'm going to increase you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you be better off than you were before that. God promised, I'm going to eradicate, destroy, decimate idolatry, and then I'm going to pour out peace on my people and especially on Israel. America is filled with idolatry. 
God wants to cleanse us and remove all of our violence, all of our idolatry. Verse 17 goes on to say, I will make peace with your administrators, righteousness, your overseers. I will make peace your administrators and righteousness, your overseers. Violence will not be heard again in your land, nor devastation or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. You and I live in a nation that is filled with violence. And can I come home to you just a little bit? We live in a very violent city, a very violent city. A recent article it was just this month, updated this month, entitled, the 23 most dangerous cities in the United States. It was written by Amanda O'Brien. said, Memphis is the third most violent city in the United States. I was watching the news on Friday, Friday evening, and it showed a video of five to six young men from Memphis breaking into a liquor store in Covington. And the Covington District of Attorney was saying, we arrested them. We put the three of them in jail. We're looking for the other two. And they will serve time in prison. And you know what? Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Shame on any one who would let someone who robs someone with a gun not serve time in prison. They should serve time in prison. So what's the cause of that kind of crime? Sin. Selfishness. Violence is sin and selfishness that is played out. The answer for those kind of crimes is a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you fall in love with Jesus, number one, you don't need liquor. You don't need booze. You don't need beer. You don't need wine. You don't need liquor. And you sure don't need to steal it. You don't need that kind of thing. When you've got the Lord, you've got the Holy Spirit. And liquor brings unholy spirits. You don't need that in your body. And don't talk to me about a little wine and all that stuff. I understand. Look, I'm not saying you're going to go to hell for drinking a glass of wine. But I am saying this. I think it's the wisest choice just to stay away from it, especially if you have children in your home. How do you know, parents, maybe you can handle your one drink or two drinks a day, whatever it is you think is right, but what about your children? What if they become an alcoholic because they saw it in your home all of your life? Wouldn't you be in some way culpable on that? Sure you would. This is not a sermon on that, but I'm telling you, it's those kind of things that cause people to do bad things. But Jesus Christ can set you free. A relationship with Jesus is what you need. You don't need to be involved in gangs you don't need to be involved with the wrong kind of people. Get away from all of that and come to Jesus and become his disciple. 
Violence is one of the major marks of God's curse on any nation or any city. We need to pray for God to turn every curse in Memphis into a blessing. Jesus comes in power, and when he does, crime goes down and peace goes up. Praise the Lord, Jesus is coming back, and he's going to reign for a thousand years on this earth, and there will finally be what we sing about at Christmas, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. We read about it in Isaiah 11, verses 6 through 12, and the wolf will lie down with the lamb. How many of you know that that's not normal? Anybody know that's not normal? The wolf is going to lie down with the lamb, and it doesn't mean the lamb's going to be in his tummy either. It means he's going to lie down next to him, all right? And the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Can you imagine saying, Johnny, go get the lion and tell him to come in? A little boy will lead them. Also, the cow and the bear will graze together. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountains. This is talking about the the 1,000-year reign of Christ, the millennial reign of Christ. That's what it's going to be like. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then in that day... The nations will resort to the root of Jesse, that's Jesus, who will stand as a signal for the peoples and his resting place will be glorious. Then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand, the remnant of his people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea, and he will lift up a standard for the nations, assemble the banished ones of Israel, gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Just keep on praying. Keep on fasting. Keep on persevering. There's hope for your future. A day is coming when all will be well on this earth. It's not well now, but peaceful days are on their way. Number six, Christian better days are coming not just because peaceful days are coming, but joyful days are coming. You're going to be full of joy when Jesus comes back. Look at verse 19. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, your God for your glory. Your sun your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and the days of your mourning will be over. There's coming a day when you won't need to cry. There's coming a day when every relationship that is messed up, and look at me, every person in this room, if they're honest, has some relationship in their life that is messed up, and they can't fix it, but God can. He may not do it today, but there's coming a day when all the relationships are going to be fixed. And Christians will live triumphantly, eternally, joyfully with Jesus in the new heaven and the new earth. Joyful days are coming. You need to look forward to the days ahead. Better days are coming, Christian. Glorious days, reunited days, prosperous days, Vindication days, peaceful days, joyful days. How can it get any better? Oh, it can. 
I've saved the best for last. I didn't. The Lord did. Christian better days are coming because, praise God, endless days are coming. Look at verses 21 and 22. Then all your people will be righteous. All the Christians are going to be clothed in the robes of Christ's righteousness, perfect righteousness, crowned by Jesus. Verse 21 goes on to say, they'll possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, that's Jesus, the work of my hands that I may be glorified. We will rule and we will reign with Christ for a thousand years on this earth that will be perfect peace. All Christians will be strong and significant in that day. The Bible says in verse 21, the smallest one will become a clan. The least one, a mighty nation. Verse 22, I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Praise the Lord. Endless days of joy are coming for every Christ follower. You say, well, Brother Steve, exactly what's it going to be like? Well, we see it. We see this time of a thousand years in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. Look on the screen. Then I saw, John says, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There's no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. I can remember when Donna was walking down that aisle, and I, I looked at her, and I thought, my soul, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. That's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. Jesus is going to come back for his bride. Amen? I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. He will dwell among them. They shall be his people. God himself will be among them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more crying in heaven. And there will no longer be any death. No more dying in heaven. There will no longer be any mourning. No crying. No pain. Praise God. No pain in heaven. You won't wake up, walk across the room and sound like a bowl of cereal, crack, snapple, and pop, okay? You won't, you won't do that anymore. I'm going to re-go back to verse 4. They will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll no longer be any death. There'll no longer be any mourning or crying, pain. There it is. The first things have all passed away, verse 5. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. How many of you looking forward to being new? Amen? They're making all things new. The heavens, the earth, everything, my people. He said, right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. <coughs> I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things. I will be his God. He'll be my son. But the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers, and the immoral persons, and the sorcerers, and the idolaters, and the liars, their part will be in the lake of fire that burns, and brimstone, which is the second death. Christian, eternity will be endless worship, and fellowship, and service with the Lord Jesus Christ. Endless days are coming. Can we give God praise right now? Amen. A better day is coming if you know the Lord. 
Do you know him? Do you know him? 